This is the Boyfriend's Guide to Pop Culture, the podcast where the boyfriend, Nick, guides the girlfriend, Meg, through the world of pop culture. How's it going, all you Cine Supremuses out there? <laughs> Welcome to the Boyfriend's Guide to Pop Culture. I am the Boyfriend Nick, and joined with me always is... The Girlfriend Meg. And we got a real special one for you. One of my... One of my, I call this movie my deal breaker movie. This is this is a this is a very special movie to me. But this is this is a deal breaker movie. And uh, when what we get to, mean? I think we'll get to it in the in, 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 in the comments. It, when we get into our discussion section. part, in a discussion okay. part, I, I know we've discussed it. And we have, and um, you didn't exactly like my reaction to it but i had justification yeah. which you understood so we'll, and we'll, we'll explain that we'll in our explain discussion. That. okay but uh, all right we'll get down to the nitty-gritty today we are covering 1982's et the extraterrestrial <laughs> directed by steven spielberg it was produced by steven spielberg and kathleen kennedy written by melissa matheson and distributed by universal pictures it stars henry thomas as elliot D. Wallace as Mary, Peter Coyote as government agent Keys, Robert McNaughton as Michael, and Drew Barrymore as Gertie. Uh, it's 114 minutes. It was filmed on a budget of $10.5 million and brought in at the box office a grand total of $792.9 million. Hey. A, a a box office which would stand until eleven years later with another Steven Spielberg movie, Jurassic Park, which would wow. break its break its record. Yeesh, okay. Pretty incredible. Uh-huh. Alrighty. So quite an iconic iconic movie we're discussing today. So um why don't we get in why don't we oh what's the first thing we're we're gonna do? We're gonna we discuss a, our featured beverage. Our featured beverage here that I what are we drinking I've today? Uh, brought up here. It, this comes to us from thenosychef.com. There were any number of alien cocktails I could go with. Um, there was one called Alien Urine Sample, which doesn't sound that appeasing. <laughs> there was another alien one. Uh, uh, but we're going to cover, I'm sure, other yeah. alien movies. So you'll have and opportunities to cover And there was another alien-specific one, which I will discover later on. Probably for the movie entitled Alien. Yeah, probably. Probably. Okay. But needless to say, I went with the one that was most, I don't want to say appetizing because it, it still doesn't sound appetizing, but this one, this drink is called the Alien Secretion. Mm, okay. I know. I, <laughs> I should have thought of a better <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, well, but still. you know, I think about us being aliens to other, you know, planets or whatever and what we secrete and it doesn't sound no. that great. You brought up earlier, maybe we should have just drank some Coors because that's what E.T. E. drinks, drinks in the, the movie. movie yeah. yeah, Gets yeah. him and, and Elliot drunk about at the same time. Yeah. Um, but I'm not a Coors man. I'm a Miller man. So. <laughs> All right. So what's in our drink today? Well, in our drink is one and a half ounces of Malibu rum, one and a half ounces of Midori, and one and a half ounces of pineapple juice. Mm. So what you want to do is... good to me. Yep, take all those ingredients, put them in a cocktail shaker with some ice, shake them all up, dump it out into a old-fashioned glass filled with ice, and then serve. So uh, let's uh, hashtag clink and drink here. Give it a little taste. Mm. That's pretty tasty. It's very good. Nice I like it. Nice and fruity. I'm, you know how much I like my uh, Malibu. Yeah. This is very good. I wonder if it's aliens... It's nice green color, you know, yeah. kind of goes with alien yeah. stuff. I, I wonder if they really do secrete that stuff. Oh. Probably the guys at Area 51 would know better than us. Maybe. Maybe that's why they keep the aliens hidden, because they don't want to share their, their tasty secretions with oh, us. God. Okay. Let's Secretion. What, all right, awful, let's change. what a terrible let's word, yeah. <laughs> it's terrible Let's change the subject. All right. We are going to get into our <laughs> plot summary. Which is once again brought to you by the People's Encyclopedia, wikipedia.org. So, alien botanists secretly visit Earth at night to gather specimens in a California forest. 
one of the aliens separates from the group, fascinated by the distant city lights and is startled by the arrival of U.S. government vehicles who give chase to the creature. The other aliens depart, abandoning the creature on Earth. In a nearby neighborhood in the San Fernando Valley, 10-year-old Elliot's suspicions are roused when he pitches a baseball into a tool shed and the ball is thrown back. Later that night, Elliot returns with a flashlight and discovers the creature among the corn stalks. The creature shrieks and flees the scene. Despite his family's disbelief, Elliot leaves a trail of candy to lure the alien into his house. Before bed, he realizes the alien is imitating his movements. The next morning, he feigns sickness to stay home from school and play with him. Elliot can feel the alien's thoughts and emotions, shown when the alien accidentally opens an umbrella, startling him and simultaneously Elliot several rooms away. Later that day, Elliot introduces his older brother Michael and five-year-old sister Gertie to the alien, deciding to keep him hidden from their mother, Mary. Asking him where he's from, he shows them by levitating several small balls representing his planetary system and demonstrates his powers by reviving dead flowers. He demonstrates his healing power through his glowing fingertip on a minor cut on Elliot's finger. At school the next day, Elliot begins to experience an empathetic connection with the alien much more strongly, including exhibiting signs of intoxication because the alien is at his home drinking beer and watching television and freeing the fogs in his biology class. As the alien watches John Wayne kiss Maureen O'Hara in The Quiet Man on TV, Elliot kisses a girl he likes in the same manner, and he is sent to the principal's office. The alien dubs himself E.T., reading a comic strip where Buck Rogers, stranded, calls for help by building a makeshift communication device, is inspired to try it himself. E.T. gets Elliot's help to building a, spa a device to phone home by using a speaking spell. Elliot notices that E.T.'s health is declining and that Elliot is referring to himself as we. Throughout this, the boys are unaware that E.T. is being tracked by the government agents and they are now being spied on. On Halloween night, Michael and Elliot dress E.T. as a ghost to sneak him out. Elliot and E.T. head through the forest where they successfully call home. The next day, Elliot wakes up in the field, finding E.T. gone. Elliot returns home to his worried family. Michael searches for and finds E.T. dying next to a culvert. He takes E.T. home to Elliot, who is also dying. Mary becomes horrified when she discovers her son's illness and the dying alien, just as a group of government agents dressed in astronaut suits led by Keys invades the house. Scientists set up a lab at the house, asking Michael, Mary, and Gertie what they know about E.T. While they are treating Elliot and E.T., the mental connection between them disappears. He appears to die while Elliot recovers. Elliot is carried away, screaming that the doctors are killing E.T. as they try to revive him. When they pronounce him dead, Michael discovers that the flower that E.T. previously revived is dying again. As Elliot recovers, the scientists first bring him back to his family, but then Keyes leaves him alone with E.T. Elliot says a tearful goodbye, telling him he loves him before closing the case. E.T.'s heart light begins to glow, and Elliot notices the chrysanthemum is once again coming back to life and opens the case. E.T. reanimates and tells Elliot that his people are returning. Elliot and Michael steal the van that E.T. had been loaded into, and a chase ensues with Michael's friends joining them on bicycles, evading the authorities. Suddenly facing a police roadblock, E.T. helps them escape by using his telekinesis to lift them into the air and towards the forest, like he had done for Elliot before. Standing near the spaceship, E.T.'s heart glows as he prepares to return home. Mary, Gertie, and Keyes show up. E.T. says goodbye to Michael and Gertie as he presents him with the flower he had revived. Before boarding the spaceship, he embraces Elliot and tells him, I'll be right here, pointing his glowing finger to Elliot's forehead. He picks up the chrysanthemum and boards the spaceship. As the others watch it take off, the spaceship leaves a rainbow in the sky. Mm -hmm. And that's... The end of our coverage of ET. Heart um, tearjerker. It's a tearjerker. It's I'm a tearjerker for sure. It's a bittersweet movie. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so much though that is not covered in that plot summary uh -huh. that we need to discuss. Which so. we'll yeah we're going to discuss in our our uh, our uh, discussion part. Yeah. So why don't we take a break then? You want to take a break now and then we'll get back to it. Yes. Okay. 
Okay, and we're back. We're back to our discussion part of E.T. Yes. So much to discuss. Yes. So we should we first discuss, um, you know, our history with the movie and our feelings about it and all that. You should go first. Well, this movie has been, um, like so other movie, so other many movies, has been a major part of my childhood. I think my grandfather is the one who introduced it to me on TV. He actually, when the 20th anniversary came out, where they had all the, 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 uh, the re-edits and stuff, I didn't go see it because I, I was morally opposed to it after watching the South Park episode. But my sister went and see it, and I think that was like a first time for her, and she liked it. But I remember seeing it on TV. Mm. And I I've kind of sort of grew up with, you know, I'm a child of the 80s and 90s, so... And these movies are timeless, but, you know... Sure, yeah. Well, what made, made it this deal-breaker type movie for you? Well, because it's 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 such a fantastic... It's a fantastic movie. It's it's a masterpiece. So it, why this mo- movie over other fantastic movies? I don't know why. I, I get the feeling, you know, there are some people out there, and we know of some people who don't like the movie E.T., you're talking to me, but yeah. I'm not saying I don't like the movie. Um, I understand people have different movie deal breakers. My brother has Shawshank Redemption that she, he's playing one of his deal breakers. <laughs> anyway. Um, but E.T. is one of my deal breakers. Um, Star Wars, Ghostbusters, I can, if you don't yeah. like those, or I can. Would you but have if you been upset like e- if I told you I'd never seen E.T.? No. Okay, but you were upset because I said I didn't, I, that I didn't. I you hadn't watched it since. Okay, so my history with it. I would have been upset if you said, oh, I don't like that movie. That movie, I don't well, like the alien. Did, the alien. The truth I is like that part of me didn't, but it, I, I don't remember how old I was when I saw it. I, it came out before I was born. Uh-huh. But for some reason, I had well, it in yeah, my 80s. head. Yeah. Well, as a child, I don't know, you know. So uh-huh. I had it in my head that it had come out while I was a kid. Because I remember it, it being talked about about a lot, uh-huh. you know, and it being a thing. But I also kind of recall, I feel like my mom just put it on for me to watch for the first time to occupy me, you know, at home uh-huh. while, we're, you know, she was doing other things or whatever. Because um, I don't remember watching it with anyone else. Again, I only wa- I only watched it one time as a child. And I remember after watching it feeling so upset and traumatized by it that I right then and there was like, I never watched that movie again. Mm-hmm. And I didn't until you and I you know, got together. Yeah, the main premise behind that is there was a commercial that came out from Xfinity where uh, E.T. basically comes back and visits Elliot again. Mm. And I said, wow, that's so nice that they did that. And you're like, what are you talking about? And I'm just like, the E.T. And you go, I, I haven't seen that movie. And I just stopped at my tracks. I'm just like, what? You've never seen E.T.? And you just go, well, I've seen E.T., but... And as soon as you said that, and I'm just like, oh, no, here we go. The year comes, I don't like that movie. The alien's too scary, or this, that, and the other thing. But I don't think I was scared by the alien as a child. Oh, no. I was scared by what happened to him. The, yeah. Him seeing him so sick. And I, I recall specifically... It so, deals with heavy stuff. Heavy yeah, subject like, I matter, remember, yeah. you know, as a child, the whole, like, the government and him being, you know, like, all the, you know, like, how they transformed the house. Like, I didn't know... I don't remember it being at the house as a kid, but like them being in that makeshift like laboratory kind yeah. of thing, and the, all, all the stuff hooked up to him, and the whole, all of that stuff was what I remembered as a kid, and how I remembered like having that, and thinking back on it, and I still even having seen it and having a different feelings about the movie now. When I think back on that and how I felt, I. I was like, I just can't, like, I just, ugh. yeah. and you, you know, like when we were we, yes, watching it last night, I remember like, this is why I didn't like this as a yeah. kid. Like these, these, um, scenes right here was what like wa- rewatching them, like kind of like triggered an emotion in me that was like, Oh, I can't like, this is why I didn't like this movie. I didn't like this. I felt traumatized and I never wanted to see it again because of, you know, seeing all this happen to him. And even like that thing they card out where he after he dies they put him in yeah you know like and something like about that totally yeah. creeped me out and that it, seeing that itself too was also like got me all creeped out and just also on top of the fact that it is very mo- emotional and mm-hmm. like, and even though it ends more i, I want to say i mean it does have a, what i would consider a happy ending yeah um He's okay. it's still very like it's still very emotional <laughs> and like 
as a kid, you know, seeing Elliot and him go through those emotions was not something that I, I liked, mm-hmm. you know, like I didn't, I didn't like that. So, um, I, I feel differently about it. It still stirs up some emotions in me that I can remember back even into childhood. I still cried through it, you know, but, um, that's why I ended up having the feeling I had, I, I had, I think I ended up watching it too young to be honest, yeah. probably. So, um, I think I was about the right age, maybe like, Nine, ten. Yeah, I think I was younger than that. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the wrong age. So um, I don't think I. Yeah. Anyway, but anyway, at the end of the day, it is a terrific movie. You know, I mean, and there's so much to to discuss. Why don't we go through like the events as we go along, and we can talk about it as we go. Well, the the well the the part that you were discussing where they they're coming to like revive them and help them that was intentionally filmed, you know. So it looks like they're they're killing him, but they're they're actually trying to help. I know but that. It's, it's yeah, I, mean, I don't think Elliot understood yeah. that that they're no. trying to actually, you know. But ultimately, I mean, what what they the fear that they had about you know the government like capturing him and doing whatever to him is legitimate, you know. And I feel like at the end when they had to, to escape from them in order to get E.T. home, that was legitimate. Like, would the government have allowed him just to get up back on a spaceship and go off and fly off where they could study him and stuff? Probably they should have put a tracker on it. They would probably want to shot the, the, the spaceship down. This is the yeah. film that gave me my appreciation for the fact that you can't trust your government. <laughs> well, this that's a whole other that, yeah. topic there, okay? Yeah. Let's not even get into that. But... um there's a lot to to work out here. I mean, it's also, I don't know if this might have been the first alien movie I ever saw, but it's also a, a rare one in that it's an alien movie where the aliens are on, Our an night. alien comes to Earth, yeah. but also the alien doesn't mean any harm. Yeah. Um, like they're you totally, said, they're, they're botanists. They're like totally, they're, yeah, they're totally divorced from the fact that they want to interact with human beings. Yeah, they you can tell don't. from the outset, yeah. you know, that they're they're like... They want to collect plant samples. And by the end of the movie, he ultimately gets the plant sample that he wants. He gets that nice chrysanthemum <laughs> that he takes away. But mm-hmm. he's out looking at a, he's looking at like a pine well, tree or something. it shows them um, pull, gently pulling out um, with the roots a tiny little tree that started to grow uh-huh. in the beginning. So, like, you can't, yeah, you get the idea that they're there for the plants. You know, they're there for... And you're, get, you're on board their ship a little bit, and you see all these aliens. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it looks like, like a fungi. weird greenhouse kind of, like, thing. Yeah, There's yeah. There's one that, like, starts moving, and it looks like it has a mouth or something. Yeah. Type thing. Yeah, so you, so you, you get what they're about. They're, uh-huh. they're there for the plant life. Mm-hmm. Um, although, I'm sure that they're... I mean, um, other movies, I'm sure, have depicted this. You know, there's always been the fear that Aliens could come and try to collect us to study us, much like we would probably try to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a whole other whatever. They're not trying to harm us here. They're just trying to collect plants. It took Steven Spielberg to come around to ultimately film Aliens in a, in a positive light. It kind of started out with uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, mm. the 76 feature. And you can kind of sort of see similarities between those aliens and E.T. They look mm. very similar, although the ones in in, uh, in Close Encounters are a little bit skinnier and their heads aren't as wide. Um, well, I also kind of noticed, I mean, in another alien movie where the alien, it was a, not, the aliens were portrayed negatively, as in that they were there for a negative reason. Mm-hmm. Later, that was much later on filmed, actually, filmed near us, and we'll, we'll cover it at some point, because it is a, one of my favorites, and that's the movie Signs by yeah. M. Night Shyamalan, who I think he might have pulled some things from E.T., maybe, like oh, yeah. the corn stalks. Not being, not <clears throat> seeing the aliens, you know. Yeah, like the, the little things like that. Um, there was something else I, when I remember st- reminded me of, of um, um, Signs. Oh, the swing set. Yeah. So there was Run like, the when he ran set, away, yeah. and you, you could see the swing just swinging. Moving, and then. And then, then like, did that in yeah. Signs, too. <clears throat> um, but, um. When we had our discussion on Jaws. Well, like what went wrong with the with the shark, mm-hmm. and that they couldn't film as much of the shark. So what the Spielberg had to do was kind of you know imply that the shark was there, and it, it gives, we did two Spielberg movies in a row. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so it's it's more it builds up suspense more of what you don't see, you know, and he's masterful at that and he did that in Close Encounters also, and more so in uh in uh in 
E.T. here. Not mm-hmm. specifically more in the alien, but also with the character of Peter Coyote's character, which they refer to as Keys. You know, he's a government, not necessarily a bad guy, but you see the keys hanging off of his, his belt and you just be like, oh, this is the government, this is the government guy here, like the head muckety muck. And it turns out for, you know, all intents and purposes, he's not really a bad guy, but he still works with the government. You right. notice on the cars there, they don't have a specific agency, like they're not with the CIA or NSA. Mm-hmm. It just says U.S. government. Right, That's right. all it says. So you they can imagine it's that some for, secret secret division that's just yet devoted to yeah they probably did that for liability issues sure i'm sure they did (laughs) um so okay so the movie starts with um we see the aliens you know collecting plants we see a little bit on their ship and uh, of course we see we see et looking out on the lights he see all see the he sees the lights of the city Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden these like these vehicles show up and yeah. then all the aliens flee to go back on their ship to, yeah. so they can leave. But alien, but ET doesn't make it back to the no. ship before it leaves. Yeah. Um, going to the big lights of Los Angeles. Yeah, that's right. Well, he's very curious. I don't mm-hmm. blame him. Um, <laughs> and so then it's, he hears a noise. Ellie, it goes to Elliot's house. It shows him, you know, he's, observing a Dungeon and Dragons game that his brother is playing with his friends. One of the earliest depictions of Dungeons and Dragons there. Yeah. I didn't know this, but Spielberg was a fan when it came out in 1974, so that's why he incorporated it into the movie. How many different, like, pop culture things features Dungeons and Dragons? Like... I mean, we haven't gotten to it yet, but I we think- haven't. But there, there's, there's probably a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, but so it's, it's you know, it's kids having a good time. This is probably. But it's also kind of nerd, known to be part of like a nerd culture. Yeah. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah. Have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? No, Nick? unfortunately, no. Which is kind of although surprised. a lot of people, yeah, you know, <laughs> people assume, that, assume that I know a lot of stuff about computers too, <laughs> and, and play Dungeons and Dragons and collect Pokemon cards and all that stuff and watch anime. But no, there's not a lot of stuff that I don't do <laughs> in the pop culture realm. <laughs> well, everyone has their things they're into. Yeah. So um, anyway, so then. I guess he goes outside, right, to get a pizza they order, and he hears noise coming from a shed. Uh He thinks it's his dog. It's not. It's E.T. He tells him about, like, the the ball getting rolled back to him Mm -hmm. and all this. So E.T. is very good at hiding in plain sight. Like, either that or everybody in this movie is just not totally non-observant. Especially especially D. Wallace's character. Yes, the mom. So like just like, oh, there's nothing in the shed. He's still in the shed. Right. There's several times that (laughs) she... He is in plain view of her, and she does her. not see yeah. him. And that's what's really funny. It was like the, I, I immediately thought of the scene where well, there's two scenes, but like the, my first thought was him. You know, you said him hiding in plain sight when she goes to inspect the, the closet, the closet yeah. and there's and she's looking stuffed around animals. and she sees all the stuffed animals and ET's face is in there like Literally amongst there. all the stuffed yeah. animals and she doesn't see him no. and then later on the scene where um Gert is trying to inter- literally trying to introduce her yeah. to to um ET he's drunk yeah um and she broke her promise to her brother right. that she said he, you know don't tell mom about this but she's you know, yeah, trying, trying to. It didn't end up working out. What, I forget what happened. That like typical five year olds. They ended up leaving, um, and or I don't even know. Uh, it was just funny. She had to hilarious. leave to pick up Elliot because he had called. Oh, the scene that's right. Because the they the school called. Yeah. So she's he, just like you know, typical eighties latchkey kid. You know, yeah. I'm gonna go to the school and pick up your brother. You stay here, a five year old by yourself. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. Well, she was there with an alien, so yeah. she was fine. <laughs> and that's that's <laughs> not to you know you know bring anything down there because you know this is ultimately you know the story is it's it's about a kid who's a loner and he's kind of lonely because he's a child of divorce yeah it touches on the divorce stuff like you know elliot says something that upsets the mom throughout the movie about the father now going to mexico Mexico with with his his new yeah yeah, so you kind of get the idea that you know since it was a recent he's at some point his mom says that they're recently separated so my thought is that unfortunately their father left their mother for another woman. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, I mean, I could be wrong about that. They don't go into, into all the details, but that's basically the impression that you get. 
And this, this part of the movie is kind of sort of autobiographical in terms of Spielberg's own life because his mother and father had divorced and okay. he was kind of a loner kid and he developed a, a, an, like an imaginary best friend oh. that I don't think was necessarily alien, but he, he, he kind of developed his own Okay, friend. so E.T. Was, is the embodiment of this, the imaginary friend that Spielberg had. So, But he didn't write it, though. Someone else wrote it. So he must have worked with someone else with his ideas of what he wanted in a movie. Or? Yeah, he worked with uh, Melissa Matheson. Uh, during their downtime when they were filming uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, of all movies, they would, they would have you know they would discuss ideas and stuff uh, originally this was supposed to be a movie called night skies which mm. was supposed to be a follow-up to close encounters of the third kind but like the opposite of third close encounters of the third kind where it was supposed to be more menacing type part i think mm -hmm. it would take place in like uh, a farmhouse and like the people were locked in there it was very much like like uh like an alien version of Night of the Living Dead where, you know, you know, it's a microcosm of society and it's breaking down. But that's neither here nor there. So they kind of sort of rewrote the idea during downtime on on uh, uh, the set of Raiders of the Lost Ark and ultimately came up with the idea of, of E.T., the extraterrestrial. An in interesting fact about Melissa Matheson, she would go on to be the future wife of... One Mr. Harrison Ford, oh. who was also so opposed, supposed to appear in E.T. Oh. He was going to play the principal or the, the teacher during the biology class. I don't know if that's his voice or not, or if it's modified, but it was supposed to be, he was supposed to be in the movie, but people thought it would be too distracting. So they ultimately they mm. discarded that idea. Makes sense because he had got. I mean, between Star Wars and then Star you know, Wars, Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones. He was really up there, and he was become, yeah. he was like Spielberg and George Lucas's muse type thing. Yeah, they originally. Well, I, we can discuss this when Indiana Jones comes around, but he wasn't the first pick for Indiana Jones. So mm. when we get into Indiana Jones, we'll talk about that. <laughs> okay, um, but he turned out to be the best guy for the job, so he got it right. Well, there's some other crossover between. Like even Star Wars and this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, we need yeah. We to discuss yeah. that, and that's yes. a, a big one. I, I think I wanted to discuss in another episode about something else, and you're like, no, we gotta wait. We gotta save. We gotta it wait till e. we do ET. So I'm like, like, well, let's do ET e. then. Okay, I'm like, okay, we'll do it then. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of his, a lot of the stuff that he does in this movie can be kind of construed as force powers. To be honest with you, I I, I could see where they get that. You get that, yeah. you know, and. So I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but when they find when they try to sneak out, um, ET out on Halloween, and they dress him up like as a ghost, and they pretend that he's Gertie, and then they have Gertie somewhere else waiting for them. Uh -huh. um, they they're kind of wandering and see everybody all dressed up in their costumes and stuff, right? So as they're wandering, there's you know it's Halloween. All these other kids are around in their costumes, and you see a kid dressed up as Yoda. Yeah, and ET like walks over to him, like he's like home, like he he's saying he's home, like, home, saying home, 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 home. Yeah, like he re yeah, he like he recognizes Yoda. Like he thinks that so that it just kind of shows you like it, it it makes you aware that you know ET's aliens are in the same universe, yeah. maybe the same planet as Yoda's species i wouldn't say the same planet but definitely the same universe yeah we, we don't really know it's just the like beginning, a the beginning of star wars as everybody knows it says of uh, um, a long time ago in a galaxy far far away so it it's still within right. the realms of yeah well, our star, well the star wars world encompasses many different planets yeah um a whole galaxy you might say yeah so um anyway but is there any in the in any of the star wars stuff is there aliens that look like E.T.? Oh, yes. Where? When? Uh, in episode one, The Phantom Menace, there's a scene where there there's a, the, the the Senate on the planet of Coruscant. They're, they're going through, I think, Queen Amidala is, uh, you don't know any of these characters yet, but Queen Amidala has votes for a, uh, uh, votes for a, a a thing of no confidence on the current chancellor, Chancellor Valorum, that he's not really doing his job. And then when she goes to put that motion and all the all the other systems are kind of like cheering, like, yeah, we don't want this guy here anymore. And you see there's a delegation of Wookiees 
and a delegation of like uh, the, like the walrus face people. Mm. And if you look very closely, and I think it's when the Wookiees pop up, you can see it very closely in the background. There's a delegation of the aliens from from ET. Like ET, okay. They're this very squat. They have their long necks, but it's it's them. So yeah, that kind of sort of. I don't know, confirms it, but yeah. They're in the same universe. They're in the same universe. Yeah, okay. Um, but then that is done after E.T. So Star Wars is first, then E.T., and then um, The Phantom Menace, yes. which is like, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, also Star Wars, but prequels to the original three. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Um, but it's interesting and cool, because I guess because they're friends, like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, yes, that they've included, friends. you know... They, you know, like, you know, randomly, he wants to do a completely different type of alien movie. Like, uh-huh. nothing at all like Star Wars. But you could still, because it's aliens, you know, mix it in a little bit. So, it's, there's cute. Even it's more, cool that they did that. I, I like more, that. There's more crossovers and more movies, and I'll point those out when we talk again. Once again, and I'll, spoiler, it'll probably show up when we talk about Indiana Jones. Okay. Cool. Good to know. <laughs> So um, let's talk about, okay, so Michael, I'm sorry, not Michael, but um, Elliot decides to introduce E.T. to Michael. Yeah. And, um, which is, it, it, it's entertaining as it is seeing Michael's reaction to this, you know, because no one's believing him about him seeing something out. He's got to tell somebody about it. Right, exactly. He can't keep it to himself. And then meanwhile, while he's trying to do it, Gertie walks in and then E.T. and Gertie see each other and they both scream. <laughs> Just, just a funny, cute, like mm. scene, and it's really cute to see. I mean, at the, at us at our age, and we know have known Drew Barrymore to be in so many movies, mm-hmm. and she's you know she's older than us, obviously, yeah. but like you know an adult woman have having this long career, but here she is as a little kid, you mm-hmm. know, as this tiny little kid. So um, it was you know she was cute. She's in this movie for sure. An interesting filming part about this. What was going on also at the same time. Steven Spielberg was the producer on the movie Poltergeist. And actually, I think if you look closely, I don't know if it's the same neighborhood, but the houses look very similar. Okay. Like it's a, you know, if it's not the same neighborhood, it's within the same vicinity. So he'd be filming E.T., he'd go across town and fil- and uh, producer basically overlook the filming of Toby Hooper's uh, poltergeist which was that's another story idea from steven spielberg a lot of stuff that was pulled from his childhood so he's doing these two films at the same time but the original casting for gertie was to, supposed to be heather o'rourke who played carol ann in poltergeist oh, okay but they ultimately switched roles so drew barrymore became gertie and then heather o'rourke became uh Carol Ann. Okay. And Poltergeist. And they Steven Spielberg says that it's it those two movies are two sides of the same coin. Like E.T. is about the American it's about American fantasy or mm. suburban fantasy, whereas Poltergeist is about suburban nightmare. Mm, okay. So yeah. Interesting. There goes a lot of back and forth on who directed Poltergeist because you can see a lot of of Steven Spielberg's stuff into it mm. and he would butt heads with the director Toby Hooper mm. who was the original director of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm. so they would butt heads a lot but Toby Hooper was ultimately director but it's it's just dripping in, in Steven Spielberg isms type stuff gotcha okay mm-hmm. um so to, can you, to, to continue on with the story um you know Gertie and Michael are spending all this time in Elliot's room and hiding from their mom and she brings in this the geran- what's the plant? chrysanthemum, chrysanthemum mm-hmm. um, that's dying. Um, that was like just a pot of plant in the house. She brings it in, and Et brings it back to life. Basically, yep. just does his thing, and it just you know awakens back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, this was after he he pretended to be sick so he could spend the day trying to figure out basically what is he going to do with this alien that mm-hmm. he's, you know, and then he's already telling his brother and sister, well, I'm going to keep him like he's my pet now or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which is interesting because I pointed out yesterday the noises that he makes. 
Yes, yes, I was talking about You them. asked me if those were the real noises, but I said, I don't think so. And I'm just like, we're listening to him. And I just go, the, what does he sound like to you? He's just like, I see he sounds like a puppy or something. I'm just like, what dog in particular, your absolute favorite dog? A pug. He sounds like a pug. <laughs> Which is interesting to break up because his, his facial features were based off of Albert Einstein. Uh, I, some famous poet I forget what his name was, but and a pug too. <laughs> I'm wondering thing. like why. <laughs> Where did he it? makes the snort? He sounds like a pug. I yeah. watched your pug videos that you bring <laughs> up, and I'm watching this last night, and I'm just like, he sounds like a pug. He does. I could see it. Yeah. So much so, you just like when we get our pug, and we got to dress him up like ET, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, absolutely. Um. <laughs> We should get a pug name and name him E.T. E.T. One of the pugs, many pugs we have. <laughs> Another one's going to be Grogu, which I think they should have used Grogu. pug noises for Grogu instead of baby <laughs> ones, but we'll discuss that. It's a whole other He's thing. Anyway. Sounding. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I forget where I was. Uh, <laughs> um, so, anyway, so they're, you know, hiding out, hiding out. They're trying to communicate with him. And then the next day, um, he go, Elliot goes to school, and E.T.'s left alone in the house, and that's when he starts to get into trouble. Yeah. Because she doesn't know. You know, he's an alien. Yeah. <laughs> he's discovering his surroundings. Right. And he's, he's also very hungry. They fed yeah. him all this food. He's very hungry. Yeah. And... And they're just like, they don't know what he eats, because he right. can't say what he eats. Right. And I wonder if that's what made him yeah. sick to begin with. Maybe. Um, so, but it's still very curious because you see that there's a connection between him and Elliot, but then you have to wonder, like, why is there a connection between him and Elliot? And we never get the answer to that. Like, what caused them to, like, you know, form a connection? Well, the thing that's brought up most things when it deals with extraterrestrials and aliens is that they can kind of sort of form a symbiotic relationship with human beings, un, un, unbeknownst to humans, or even communicate telepathically. So I think that's what this this movie kind of uh, draws light on, too. Yeah. It still kind of leaves, in my mind, a question mark a little bit. Yeah. But we never get the answer to it, and I don't think we're ever really supposed to understand. So Yeah. Um, Where he kind of sort of, he bonds and, like, forms that symbiotic relationship with Elliot, but he ultimately can't stay. So yeah. what happens is, is he, uh, as his his people are coming back, that relationship between Elliot and E.T. breaks off so much so that it makes it seem like he's dying when he really isn't. He's kind of well. He's it, it really seemed like he died because they were like even like wa- they were watching his vitals. Not that they really yeah. understood what it meant, but yeah. they did talk about how they got his DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, you know, obviously they're trying to figure things out, and they are trying to keep this alien alive. I mean, so, uh, I don't know, before we get into all that, which we do want to, I want to discuss, but I don't want to discuss too much, because I still have feelings about it. You still um, make you upset. So, um, the funny, th- another funny, the, the, a really funny scene, the whole scene, while, you know, he goes and is making trouble, because he goes in the, into the, refrigerator and he starts like eating and drinking things and he's drinking beer which he's an alien he doesn't know what the heck that is he doesn't know what it's gonna do to him and he's getting drunk he sure knows he likes it though yeah (laughs) he's getting drunk and doing crazy things around the house bumping into stuff right and meanwhile elliot because he's feeling what what et is feeling is also in school drunk goes nuts and starts Setting free all, like, so they're in the science class where they're supposed to do the biopsy, that's right, the frog dissection, and they are showing, they're having the kids actually kill the frogs first by locking them in a jar, uh, an unvented jar with a cotton ball soaked with chloroform, um, which they don't do that anymore. Is that really going to kill it? I mean, or is it just Well, I would hope so, you you know, kill it before you've... Before you start cutting it, it open, yeah. for goodness sakes. But this is something they used to do. I mean, yeah. I remember when we just did a frog in high school. It was a high school, mind you. Not How old is Elliot? He's not in high school yet. No. Anyway, um, he's a bit young, I think, to be doing that. Uh, on top of the fact that they have make the kids kill the animal first. I was in high school when we dissected a frog, and it was already dead when we got it. We didn't have to kill it. But I remember they used to do that, because my mom has a traumatic story about when she had to catch a frog, bring it to class to ki- and kill it. And 
she, she had to catch her. And rock. She actually had to catch it, and she had gotten a jar, and she punched punched holes in the top of the jar. Uh-huh. Well, I guess it was like a metal lid, and what happened was the jar the the, the frog was trying to jump to get out, and it <coughs> jumped up and hit the lid and cut itself on the lid and started bleeding all inside the jar. And my mom was like hysterical, didn't know what to do, and upset about it. Oh I have no idea what ended up happening. I, I don't know if she ended up getting out of that or she still had to dissect the thing or what. I don't know. But that the whole thing right there is just like, <laughs> what are we doing? It's up, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, <laughs> what are we doing to kids? I mean, we don't do that anymore. Thank goodness, but. Um, I mean, I I'm all about, like, learning about nature and certain things or whatever, but, like, let's not force children to kill animals, all right? Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> anyways, um, but the whole scene then about him then freeing all the frogs and then all the kids in the class, like, some crazy thing going on, and then he's watching the TV show, and then, you know, Elliot's enacting what what E.T.'s watching on the TV. It's just, the, it's very funny. Meanwhile, then, Gertie's trying to also, at the house, the mom is home. E, she's Gertie's trying to introduce E.T. to the mom, or the mom to E.T. or whatever, and he's literally walking around around next to her, but she's, like, too busy to pay attention to Gertie. She's, like, in... She's, like, putting things away from getting groceries she or whatever. She takes a phone call And she the takes school. a phone call. Yeah. And she's not even paying attention. And E.T.'s, like, literally right there next yeah. to her many times. Like, brushes right past her, and she doesn't notice him. And then she has to go and get Elliot because she gets a phone call that her kid's drunk at school. Yeah. Um, so... Um, Mary's but got a lot a very, of stuff on it was her a, plate. She's, true, she, she's she a does, She's dealing with a lot of stuff. Yeah. True, I'm not trying. She's not have criticizing time to his mom. Look at a little two foot potato walking around. <laughs> um, but it's it's just it's a very funny scene. Yeah. It's very funny. So there's a lot of comedy in the show in the movie, and then um, that's then also what's going on is Gertie's watching TV, stuff on the TV, and spelling out or spelling out things or like saying things that are spelled out on the TV and Gertie kind of ends up teaching him how to talk. Uh-huh. She start he starts repeating her and mimicking her. And he is also reading a comic from a, a newspaper and kind of puts together that he has to phone home. E T home phone. Home phone. Home phone. Phone home. Whatever. He and doesn't say phone home for us. He says E.T. home phone. Yeah. And then Gertie's the one who says E.T. phone home. Mm, yes. So then it becomes about helping him put together his this thing that he has to, you know, and then getting him out to the forest where, um, you know, the whole Halloween thing. And that's where he first shows his telekinesis ability, telekinetic ability to actually cause Elliot to fly on his bicycle. That wasn't his first telekinetic ability. It wasn't his first telekinetic ability, but his it was first the first telekin- time doing that. Yeah. It was, he did it later on with Elliot and all, and his brother and well, all the proved, brother's friends. He, he proved he could levitate stuff when he right. did it. He did the thing. In front of Michael. Showing the, yeah. Showing the, the thing where, it, where his planets were with the, with the right. play of balls and type stuff. Yeah. But he didn't, they didn't know that, you know, he could fly and yeah. that he could make people, f- make people fly. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so that was an interesting scene, but then it kind of starts into the whole him then being found sick. You don't really understand or what, what's going on, what happened when, after Michael fell asleep, you know, while they were out at the field trying to use the, the device to phone home. To, mm-hmm. um, but we just knew that E.T.'s later found by Michael, very sick looking, he's very white. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been partying too hard. Those beers finally got to him. Now he's hungover. Who knows? We, we just know <laughs> we don't ever really get the answer to either like what it is about. Like why can't we? We understand that he's sick and dying in a way, and it's causing the you know Elliot to have the issues as well because they're connected. But then, as you know, ET is quote unquote dying. He becomes disconnected to, with Elliot, which Elliot's then fine. But I, yeah. we never really get a clear answer as to what but is then wrong he with E.T. fine when he realizes his people are coming back. Well, I feel like it, it, he gets a signal from his people that causes him to revive. Yeah. That's what I kind of interpret Kind of break as. off his connection with, with Elliot, which probably well, I think, affected him I feel like he was already disconnected way. before that, though. Yeah. They, th- they thought that he was dead. I mean, again, this is what I'm talking about. It's not exactly clear what is going on there. Yeah. Like, I think it can, can be interpreted you know differently it's like he's dead and then all of a sudden his stomach is his heart is whatever palpitating and lit up again and we know his his people are coming for him 
Um, but we don't know what it was. Like, was he dead? Was he not dead? You know, did they re- revive him somehow? Was he still connected to Elliot? I don't think he was. But no. it can be interpreted very differently. So we never really get those answers. And in, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You know, we still get the happy ending. We want, even though... It's very sad for Elliot and E.T. to become separated mm. then. But we also know that Elliot that E.T. can't live there. You yeah. know, he's, we don't, again, another thing we don't know. We don't know what was wrong with E.T. Why can't he live on Earth, you know, and all that. So, but it's very clear that, you know, he's not going to survive there. And he if needs he to go to be, home. And he does. If he did, he would be, they'd constantly be on the run or trying to hide him. From exactly. Or he'd be, he, he, he'd be alive in a cage as they did all kinds of tests and God only knows what. And all that stuff. And even with him, you know, having quote unquote died, um, Ellen even says that they're preparing to take his body away. He's like, you're just going to cut him up. Yeah. Which is exactly what would happen. You know, they would, they would obviously do a biopsy. Obviously, and, yeah. Yeah. So, and dissect him, like you said, you know, like, it kind of, I wonder if that's why they put the frog for dissection in, kind of like similar, kind of like foreshadow. Probably. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, it's, I, I there's also a, a score in this movie that really is very dramatic. You know, the, all the ups and downs and barely emphasizes all the feelings and everything like that, which I think makes it even more um, emotional, in my opinion. What do you think? And that's, once again, all credit in the world to probably one of the greatest music conductors, you know, for movies, John Williams. What other movies did he do? He did Jaws. He did Star okay, Wars. He's done Indiana Jones. He's done Jurassic Park. He's done He knows Harry his Potter. shit, clearly. He did Harry Potter, don't no he wonder. He did Harry Potter. He's done because Schindler's List. There's some, you ha- so you can take all of his work and He's just done Superman. hum it. And that yeah, person yeah. will know exactly what movie you're talking is. about. So, like, you know, he, he makes these tunes that end up becoming, like, you know, iconic. Really, to the movies that they're a part of. So I've said it before, and I'll funny. say it again. Probably even so, when he passes away, or hopefully, you know, you know, knock on wood, but still, you know, Which these all have an end date. These people, you know, these people were these these were the films of our childhood. You know, these were the 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 thing, the playing things. But John Williams was definitely the soundtrack to the childhood. You know, Makes sense. you do Star Wars, you do Indiana Jones, you do Superman, you do E.T. E. It's all him. <laughs> yeah, very true. That's very true. It makes, you know, and, and it comes to like, it's not just a song that's iconic in the movie. It's the entire score yeah. and soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like, I don't know. What, what else do we have to talk about with E.T.? I know we didn't. I'll really give cover you a million dollars right now. I don't know if you've read this or, or not, but I'll give you a million dollars if you can you tell don't me. You have the, a million dollars. I might have a million dollars. You don't know me that well. I, I would hope I would know that. You were, we're supposed to get married. I can keep Hold my finances separate from you. <laughs> I gotta have All an right, extra fine. Okay, a million dollars. You'll give me a million dollars if you can tell me who the voice of ET was. You've seen it, haven't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. on Wikipedia right Never now. Mind. Pat Welsh. <laughs> no, no. As the voice of ET, so, so Wikipedia says. Oh. Patricia some, Anderson Welsh. Somebody else did her, the voice too. Um, and who? Deborah Winger. Deborah Winger. From an officer and a gentleman. Mm, okay. You don't know Deborah Winger? Oh come okay. on. I wasn't completely run though. Worth a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars. What makes you think I have a million dollars? Come on. <laughs> You're a liar. I'm not a liar. I've just fabricated stuff. Okay, so here. She Welch was a radio soap <coughs> opera actress and only appeared in three films, all uncredited. The only movie which she was seen was the 1940 war, World War One film, Waterloo Bridge. She was the voice of <coughs> E.T. in the 1982 film E.T. the Extraterrestrial. As a chain smoker, she had a raspy voice and gave E.T. his trademark speech sound. She also had been hired by George Lucas to be the voice of Boche in the film Return of the Jedi. Yeah. She's he's the one who uh, uh, Leia is disguised as when she b- brings uh, Chewie into, the, uh, into Jabba's lair. Yo-to, yo-to. Okay, that's so yeah, the bo- third movie was Waterloo Bridge, E.T., and Return of the Jedi. Okay. Deborah Winger did the voice, too. Okay, well, maybe it's not an IMDb. I'm looking at Wikipedia here. It's so. on IMDb. All right, well, what you else is there? Look, <laughs> look that up later on. 
Now I look now like we're a fool. like all debating stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not trying to make it like a, like a yeah. fool. You're trying to ask me now something I you knew like I did, wouldn't know. <laughs> um. So, anything else that you want to that we didn't bring up in our discussion? No, I think we pretty on? pretty well got it covered. Yeah, I mean, it is an iconic movie. I feel like no matter what, and we can discuss things, but we don't bring them to justice. You have to watch the movies, people. As I'm learning and trying to slowly work my way through it, that's part of the, the reason why we're doing this podcast. And just so, so if, if you don't like this movie, just know that I think that you're an evil person. <laughs> that goes for good friends, sisters as well. Uh-oh, specific <laughs> person out there. Yeah. Alrighty, well. You throw out a doll of E.T. What's wrong with you? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, my, my uncle had a, an old E.T. doll, yep. I remember when I was a kid. Anyway, <sighs> why don't you sign us out then, Nick? Oh, no, I don't want to. You don't want to? Not until you tell us about your podcast, honey. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, if you enjoyed listening to us today, please uh, check out our other podcast that we have called The Girlfriend's Guide to True Crime, where I guide Nick through the world of true crime. You can find that wherever you find your podcast. So if you at all enjoyed listening to us, please continue to listen to us. We really appreciate it. And check out our other podcast. Yep. All right, kids. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. If you enjoyed listening to us today, please help us spread the word by rating and reviewing us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also hit that subscribe button and share us with your family and friends. You can find us at anchor.fm slash popcultureguide. Please help us become better by emailing us with episode suggestions, constructive criticism, or just say hi at popcultureguide at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. We have our own Facebook page group that you can become a part of at facebook.com slash theboyfriendsguide to popculture. I'm the boyfriend, Nick. And I'm the girlfriend, Meg. This has been another episode of The Boyfriend's Guide to Pop Culture. And as always, please remember to... It was 